This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Stock Doctor. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Gary Rollo, really excited to have you on uh, on Talkie Book. Thanks for coming on. I thought it'd be good if you could start by talking us through Montgomery Investment Management and what you guys look to focus on. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, great to be here. Um, okay, Montgomery Investment Management. Uh, we've been around for uh, many years, over 10 years. Uh, we have three domestic funds uh, and the fund that myself and my uh, co-PM Dominic Rose run is the Montgomery Small Caps Fund. And uh, that's where the exciting stuff in Australia is in small caps. And what stock do you want to talk about today? Today, uh, we're going to play to an area of interest in Macquarie Telecom. Um, that, as the name suggests, a telecom company, but it has some assets in data centers and there's a play on some of those big technology themes that are um, ripping around the world today, like cloud, etc. And we can go into a bit of that if you like. And so what are the different business units? So Macquarie Telecom, let me set the scene a little. Um, it's about a $600 million market cap. Um, it has two two segments to its business. It has the telecom business, which, you know, great steady cash generator over time, um, but really not where the action is, not why we're interested or excited about the story. And that represents about a third of its earnings. Let's call it 20 million bucks of EBITDA, probably growing at low single digits, um, that kind of stuff, um, pretty dependable. And then you've got um, the other assets in the portfolio, which are data center centric. Um, so that's where they um, provide services to um, Australian government, many Australian government agencies um, are customers. And as the Australian government moves from kind of old world to digital, um, Macquarie Telecom are there helping them with that. And they also um, have data center space that they um, lease out to the big hyperscalers that deploy their cloud platforms in those environments. So those big tailwinds that we're seeing in corporate enterprise computing, clouds, I'm sure you've heard that many, many times. That's the theme that's driving that business. And also um, the move of the Australian government and other clients to become more digital is also driving um, the data center business. And that, that's about 45 million bucks of EBITDA today. And I think it's got a really, really quite bright future because um, they've got some, op some optionality to grow. That's the big, the big kind of catalyst that we're interested in and what drives our, um, our appetite for the stock. And so they're developing the IntelliCenter 3 East facility, which is, <laughs> which is a pretty long name for something. Talk me through the, uh, the numbers around it, that if you're confident it will get fully funded from the debt facility that they've got available and what that could do to the, uh, the valuation of their business. Today, uh, Macquarie Telecom has about 14 megawatts of deployed data center capacity across three centers. They've got one in Canberra, one in the CBD in Sydney, and one 10 megawatts facility in effectively data center alley in Sydney. Uh, that's in Macquarie Park. You'll find a heap of other data centers there. That's the kind of scarce land um, power availability zone where the, the data centers are getting built. I mean, down in Melbourne where you are, you've got data center alley, which is Lorimer Street, and you'll see a whole suite of data centers down there 
in Sydney, this area where Macquarie Telecom's um, asset is, that's in the equivalent. So um, today they've got 10 megawatts on that site. Um, they've announced that, I can't even remember the name you put on it there, Chris, I think it's IC <laughs> West. It's just, let's call it the next big Sydney data center. Um, and they're gonna take that site from 10 megawatts today to 43. Now, the journey from 10 to 43 in terms of power capacity is significant, but in terms of profit capacity is very significant. And I'll outline that in a few minutes, but that in essence is what we're interested in. Um, now, the funding, uh, you're quite right. Data centers, they are very capital intensive. They can bring you huge growth. And once the assets fully developed, they are super high uh, returning assets with a long life. And so they attract they attract lots of people interested in those long-term cash flow streams. And we're seeing that in the sector. Next DC is the other data center play here in Australia. And they've been talking about gaining access to sovereign wealth funds to help fund that capital, uh, capital intensive nature of their business. And that's another sort we like and one we've owned for a while too. However, with Macquarie Telecom, um, the value of that future development has yet to be um, discounted. I mean, the stock trades on about 9.4 times EBITDA. Uh, that isn't what 30 year assets um, generating significant cash flows trade on at all. So there's a lot of scope for value growth. And I can take you through um, the economics of what I think it will take to build this thing and the impact of funding and the value of the cash flows if you're interested. I mean, I suspect that's where we should go. Um, and I think it's such an integral part of these, uh, these business. Let's, uh, let's go down that path. So um, uh, a 33 megawatt facility, to build that is going to cost you roughly 500 million Aussie dollars. Uh, now, doing it all in one hit would stretch the balance sheet of the company, but the balance sheet position of this company is part of the beauty of this equity story. It has zero net debt today. And it's got, as I said earlier, a run rate of around 60 to 70 million bucks of EBITDA, which can be levered up to gain access to the debt markets, to bring capital, carry it over, and to, to deploy it against that um, data center build. What the company's planning to do, hence the names of the data centers, is split it into two sections, bite-sized chunks. And so they'll build, I think it's 15, 16, or 17 megawatts in phase one, and then the rest in phase two. So each build, phase 250 million bucks, um, they'll fund the all of, the um, uh, capacity for that capital off their balance sheet. There is no need to raise equity. So they lever up, they build the asset, um, they build the building that might cost, let's call it hundred million bucks. And then they fit out the data center capacity inside the building and that gets fitted out as the demand arrives. And that might, that fit out might take, I don't know, three to five years depends on demand. And that's the beauty of how you can stage the CapEx. And of course, the cash flows from the existing business uh, fund the debt and the cash flows of the new data center when it's up and running, when it's full, will fund the debt for phase two. And so you're basically um, taking advantage of a beautifully clean balance sheet here, an existing land position to build yourself uh, an asset that will be significantly higher value than the current share price suggests. And I'll give you a context here. Today, we've already mentioned that the entire EBITDA generation of the company is about 65 million bucks there thereabouts today. Uh, a 33 megawatt data center, when it's fully lit up and running, is gonna generate somewhere to 80 to 90 million bucks of EBITDA. 80 to 90 million bucks of EBITDA is gonna be worth about a billion dollars easy. 
when it's up and running. So that car park is worth a billion dollars, hence the tagline, billion dollar car park. And the market cap of Macquarie Telecom is 600 million bucks today. Yeah, they're gonna raise over time, best part of four to 500 million bucks to, to build this thing coming from cash flows in the business or debt, but they're gonna create a billion dollars of value on the way. And that's, that's the story, uh, pure and simple. That's why we like it. Clean balance sheet, self-funding, great long-term theme with the cloud to drive the utilization of these assets. And so the demand for these data centers is absolutely soaring. That's, that's not really debatable. But the yep. supply that's coming on stream is increasing greatly as well. We've seen you know, a lot of Macquarie Telecom's rivals raising a, a bucket load of cash recently. How are you comfortable with those supply demand dynamics in the market that the, the pricing power, if you like, is going to remain for the, uh, the remainder of this asset's life. Yep. So um, there, there's two or three factors to consider. And we, we, although these assets are 30 to 40 year assets, I don't have a crystal ball to say, oh, in 10 years, pricing is going to be great. And that isn't the way that financial markets work. They price what they see today and, and then think about the risks. Um, today, uh, pricing is really firm because as you've identified, there's a significant um, growth wave coming in cloud and data centers, they take a while to build, they take a while to get the DA, the approval to line up the power. And each of these assets is a sort of two year um, build phase for the building. And then, the, and then critically, the providers, um, the providers of supply, they only fit out the space as the demand profile comes along. So that you know, last two thirds of capital to build the data center doesn't actually get committed until the demand profile is there. Uh, and that so far has meant that we've had, um, although returns are probably not as good as they were, you know, for a generation one of, of data centers that we saw get built um, maybe seven or eight years ago, but the return profile, for instance, on NextDC's uh, data centers that it's putting up today, that's around 17, 18, 19% um, EBITDA return on cap, uh, sorry, EBIT return on capital. So those are very good returns. There's certainly room for them to be beaten down, but um, that, uh, that, that ability for the data centers to only fit out uh, their building as they see the demand is the critical point that um, allows them to manage the supply that gets into the market. And so far it's been a rational market and, the wave of demand has basically overwhelmed the availability of supply. So I wanted to maybe explore the, what these assets look like in a sort of an infrastructure type uh, analysis when you compare them to infrastructure projects like toll roads or ports that perhaps develop monopolistic type characteristics. Yep. Data centers probably don't have that, but I, I think, um, their positioning and where you're able to build them, and particularly that, that access to power, which you touched on at first, is probably good for viewers to really understand because it's not like there is a, an endless amount of data centers that can pop up in appropriate spots. Could you just double down on exploring um, that for us? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I think that's a great question. Um, and I think it's at the heart of the debate today in the equity markets. These businesses, when they first arrived in the equity market were priced as tech stocks. Yeah. In the long run, once the tech investors have come and gone, they're going to be priced as cash flow generating assets. So let's think a little bit about the, 
the change in the investor base and what that means for how these assets um, are valued. And I think you're right. Um, investors that are going to own these stocks in the long run um, are going to be the same kind of investors that own the infrastructure assets today. Um, and uh, we can already see uh, looming on the horizon uh, the large sovereign wealth type investors queuing up to invest in the new generation of data center builds with some of the large global data center plays around the world. Um, Equinix and another um, US listed data center company whose name escapes me at the moment have recently done a funding deal with some sovereign wealth partners and next DC has been talking about doing the same. So that gives you a sense of uh, the appetite. Now they're they're attracted because of the duration of the contracts that the large hyperscalers are putting into the hands of the data center companies today. Those contract durations are seven, 10, 12 year long type contracts. Now, the returns that the data centers make out of those hyperscale players, they're actually lower than the returns that they can make out of the other customers in the data center. You know, the the mom and dad retailers, the, you know, the banks, those type of guys, you make more money out of them, but it's the certainty and duration of the contracted cash flows that these long-term asset owners are interested in. Now they're bringing to the table, um, their one single competitive advantage, which is a very low cost of capital and their ability to bring big licks of capital all at once. So whether it comes in as debt with, you know, I don't know, two, 300 basis points over the prevailing rate, which is a scary principle, or, or equity. I mean, the cost of equity for some of these um, sovereign wealth funds, again, it's, it's low single digits. And if you throw that into the valuation models for um, Macquarie Telecom's assets or, or Next DC, you, you get silly numbers. But the, the sector is attracting attention. It's getting investment from those types of players today, but it's still got to prove those long-term cash flow characteristics. And by long-term, I mean long-term. So um, yes, it looks very attractive today. I can see more capital coming in. Um, that will potentially challenge the economics on a five or 10 year view. But today, um, the returns are good. And um, I, I do think we're going to tend towards a valuation environment with low cost of capital applied to these cash flows. And yeah, I think there's lots of, lots of scope for upside and valuation as a result. And when you look at the data usage, which we've seen such a huge spike due to um, the work from home environment that, that so many now are going through and, and obviously a lot of hospitality and all sorts of things taken away, which has led to a um, renaissance in online life. Yeah. Do you think that spike uh, will revert back to normal as life gets back to normal? Or do you think it, it's just um, brought the future forward a little bit and we're not going back to, to lower levels of data usage? I'd like to hear what your crystal ball thinks about that. I mean, uh, my crystal ball is not so, not so clear on that issue. I mean, there's no doubt that we've all learned about the efficacy of technology solutions in the last eight weeks that we've, we'd never appreciated before. And I do think that does change behaviors. To what extent, I couldn't say. Um, but we are optimistic that many of the companies in the technology space generally are gonna find that as a tailwind for the next three to five years. And other asset classes that have so far, you know, like retail REITs um, as, as the move, um, as retailers recognize that Australia's ready for online e-commerce in, in, in a scale way. Um, so, you know, elsewhere in our portfolio, we're aligning ourselves with some of those retailers that are making that move. 
So you can see that, you know, at least the way that we think, we want to align ourselves to, to things like that. Um, I will say though, that if we're just thinking about what we can see today um, and saying, oh, we've had this splurge, will it go back down again? We're, we're missing another part of the bigger picture because we are, we're on a journey to having um, uh, you know, autonomous decision-making with a number of, of assets out there, whether it's your car or your fridge or whatever, you know, these types of applications will arrive on the market over time. And by time, I mean in the next five to 10 years. Mm. And they will also drive um, very significant requirements for the way that data is collected, processed, analyzed, and decisions made upon it, whether it's an autonomous machine or a, you know, a person like you or I wanting to make a real-time decision. So that is still to come to market and will also be a huge driver for um, these data centers and, and, and other um, businesses or business models built on data and, and, and using it. So we're quite optimistic about, um, about that and, and about the clouds and, and what that can mean for, for companies that we can invest in in small caps. It's just getting started, isn't it? From autonomous vehicles to cryptocurrencies to the electrification of everything, wherever you look, it's, it's, it's just going to be going one way and how rapid it is. We don't know exactly, but um, I think it's a pretty safe long-term macro trend. Yeah, I mean, we think we, at this point in time that we're at today, we're um, enjoying multiple multi-decade technology shift events in major markets all at the same time. So my job as a fund manager is to recognize that and look to align the investments we make in our portfolio to those themes uh, and play the very best of them that I can here in Australia. And the example I've given today of Macquarie Telecom, the reason I, I pitched that one and not the other 10 or 15 that we're interested in was I thought in the world that we live in today for the audience that you might have, uh, Chris, is aim small, miss small. I mean, Macquarie Telecom, nine and a half times EBITDA, that's yeah. a market multiple. This is a data center on existing land permissioned. They can self-fund it off their own balance sheet. Uh, there ain't many mistakes you're going to make with that, and you're going to enjoy you're going to enjoy those secular trend benefits that you're talking to. So that's the that's the idea behind this particular stock. But if you want to get racy and all that kind of stuff, you can certainly find that in my world as well. <laughs> so I'll let you finish up in a minute. I thought just lastly that the first bit when you make an investment is putting on the investment. And then there's a huge amount of work that goes following on that investment and watching out for things that may have changed one way or the other. I would yeah. have looking at an investment like this, uh, interest rates are going to play a big part considering there's going to be a sizable amount of debt. Yeah. What are some of the other things you'll be looking at that may change your investment thesis in Macquarie Telecom one way or the other? Well, let, let's leave the valuation dynamic to one side because if it gets to a valuation that I think is acceptable, you know, being a fund manager, I have to harvest that value. So let's look at the risks. Um, there's probably two big ones out there. One's pretty difficult to call, but if the economics of cloud were to change, and by that I mean that the cloud, um, hyperscale cloud guys who are clearly going through a land grab themselves you know, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and Alibaba cloud, and there's going to be a heap more of them. 
if that moves from land grab to being more like, you know what, we got to be more measured. We got to look at the returns. We got to look at the long term, and that that sort of heat comes out of that market. Then some of the assumptions behind filling up these assets quickly um, would be challenged. So I might take a different view on that. And second, um, you know, there are some big contracts in Macquarie Telecom's portfolio. Um, many of them are with the Australian government or um, at the federal and the, the state level. And so they're going to have to sing for their supper every four, five or N years whenever these contracts get renewed. So we, we, we'll also be tracking that. Um, and, you know, in any kind of business where that is, these, these contracts can get contested. Although I would say that the beauty of a data center is that if you think Macquarie Telecom's putting a lot of capital into their data center to... Um, to build it for their clients, their clients have to put in a heap of capital as well. And the friction cost from a capital point of view and a risk point of view of moving is very low. So I'd put, I'd put that risk there on the table, but I'd also caveat it with that point in the end. Well, that's a, that's a great story, Gary. Thanks for coming on and uh, explaining it so clearly. Really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed the chat. Fantastic, Chris. Uh, thanks for your time and you have a win out there. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Yeah. If you're interested in building your own investment process, make sure you check out Stock Doctor, the proud partner of Talkiebook. If you're enjoying Talkiebook, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.